What's popping, y'all? It is MC Miss Marvel Storm 110 back at it again, aka Latoya Justice Shari. If you know me, baby, and you are listening to Arc Carpe Diem podcast, honey, we are about to get into it with my big bro, Steve. Real name, no gimmick. Salute, salute, Arc- salute. Of what is good so first of all this man is uh the the founder the 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 uncle grandpa of uh (laughs) of the hold up tv he has like a million podcasts uh so he was every day every day i try (laughs) every day and so i have so many questions so much advice um that i know that you are going to bestow upon us first and foremost what made you even want to start podcasting in the first place so that's like a a three-layered uh situation there right so back in the day you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's my born day today, so I'm 42 years old. You know Happy birthday! <laughs> thank you, thank you. I grew up in an era of, like, you know, MTV, VJ host, radio host. You know, I'm from New York, so I grew up listening to Kiss FM, Hot 97, and then Power 105 eventually. And I was always the type of person that loved to have conversations, very opinionated. People know that about me. And I love, you know, mixing it up. So what actually started this all started with a conversation when I was around 18 years old with a guest I actually had on my uh, on conversations that matter. And I was like, man, I wish that somehow I could sit down, do something that's impactful and have a good time while I'm doing it. Now, this is before the advent of YouTube and all that stuff, man. This is like I'm talking about my space didn't exist. We were all still up in the AOL chat rooms at this point. <laughs> We fast forward a couple of decades, <laughs> and uh, my the very first podcast I was ever a part of was a podcast called Gaming with a Dad. It was a co a co-worker with mine. Uh, we were playing video games. He was a first-person shooter gamer, played things like Call of Duty, and the premise of the show was him teaching me how to play these games. The issue with that is you get really burnt out doing that type of stuff. Like We were recording every night, and he's editing. He took on the, the majority of the workload. And we beat the first game and we were like, all right, we got to do something different. So we switched the show to something called Talking with a Dad. Right. And that was basically me and my buddy just talking weekly about topics going on in gaming. And then we went into some cultural stuff. And what changed it for me was we did our first interview where we invited mm-hmm. a friend of mine who's a, a very well-known voice actor, a brother by the name of E.K. Amadi. He's done a lot of stuff that you would know. You know what I'm saying? I'll let him shout himself out in that regard but shout out to him he was our first interview on gaming with a dad and i remember when i was interviewing him you know it's a dual interview but while i was talking to him people were giving me really positive feedback like hey man i want you to know that was a great conversation right so from there i just kept you know we kept steamrolling i kept getting other guests people i found interesting to come on the show i had a brother by the name of light burley from New York City, king of a uh, not king, but a uh, you know practitioner of the fifty-one block system. Very interesting thing in the African American and uh, Latino community. And he came onto the show. No reason for him to do this. He's just like Ek, much huge. He had a huger platform. He was doing his thing. He agreed. Came on. We had a two-hour conversation, and I was hooked. So my good friend Mantis had a. He had been doing his own thing on Voice of the Fat Mantis on YouTube for quite some time now. And he had gotten offered a job at a little app called Spoon. Man, mm. 
uh, went over and he was one of their first uh, originals, right? And he also uh, was one of their curators for the show. He would curate events and he kept uh, pushing me to come over there. And when I first got the spoon, I really wasn't into the live streaming thing. So if you if it was still available, you go back and listen to my first first stream on spoon. It's me talking about tech. I was trying to do the, the dad thing on spoon. I was like, this is not going to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to find my own voice, do my own thing. So the very first thing I did that I felt like was of any worth, it was me shouting out other spooners. Like, I would just do snippets of me talking into the mic, playing <laughs> music. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I had my best uh, radio voice on. I'm like, yo, what's up? It's your man, Steve. Real name, no thing. <laughs> out of uh, Eddie, DJ Eddie's room. And that man was killing it. And I just took it from there. Um, the first interview I had on Spoon was mantis and then mantis introduced me to g forte and right. I, I credit g with a lot of the uh success that i had on spoon because he really opened the door for me by coming on and allowing me to interview him and again it was such a great conversation you know it conversations as good as the two people participating in it and g such an interesting person that it really flowed and he you know g was giving me some uh some encouragement mantis was giving me encouragement and then one day and i mean this you know I, i'm not trying to sell you on no cap I was sitting upstairs with my family. This is in the middle of COVID. And I'm like, man, I got to do something else. Like, I can't just do interviews five days a week. Right. It dawned on me. I was like, I love music. I love talking about music. I'm like, I'm going to do an R&B night. I think the first music night I did on Spoon before it officially became Request Box was I did like a house music night and three people right. showed up. And then I did a drum and bass night and then 10 people showed up. And then I did an R&B night and there were like 25 people. And if you're saying, whoa, what big deal? For this app, that's a pretty big deal. Huge, <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> and so I, I started doing these music streams on Spoon to kind of just build up the muscle to be able to entertain, create, and express myself. And it became, you know, it became a popular show. It became a staple. And I did that Monday through Friday. And I named the show Request Box Live. If you know, you know, Spoon had something called the Request Box. So I just combined that. And I officially named my interview show conversations that matter which i did on tuesdays when i would have people come on and that's that's how it started for me man i did that all through covid grinded monday through friday <laughs> great <laughs> great out content, having a good time first of all so you already had the concept of conversations that matter before you even became a podcaster so what was that platform like at all because you was doing this way back you know what I'm well, saying? Like, what 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 was that about? Well, so the thing about it is, man. Um, if, if to be completely frank, right? I've always had the blessing, and I'm gonna take a shot at myself, but also thank God in this. I've always had the blessing to be kind of like the Forrest Gump of the industry. Like, if you look at pictures and certain things, like people be like, "Yo, you were there." I'm like, "Yeah, I was there, brother." And like, <laughs> <laughs> because I've always had that experience where I've always just by pure chance by you know the grace of god i've landed in situations where i've met dope people i felt like there should be someone from my group in my era to chronicle these things right? right and i wanted to bridge that into what's going on today with the culture you know what i'm saying uh the con the uh converse before it was conversations that matter and i was just doing interviews i interviewed my cousin um Cavario h and he wrote a book about our family called raised by wolves and he's actually he's very affluent in early hip-hop uh journalism culture and so he came on and that's how that concept just kept coming up i just didn't have a name for it like i right. was having conversations of substance and i was having it with people i enjoyed talking to 
And then it really just popped off with Spoon, like conversations that matter. Now, the unfortunate part is I did not copyright that. I don't own that name. There are like <laughs> other shows on YouTube, YouTube with that same name. But that's where it started was chronicling interesting people and bringing it to the forefront. That's very important. That's yes. very important. Um, because I feel like your voice is such a, a, a unique one because number one, flirts. You know right. what I'm saying? Blur right. see things right. from a different perspective. Right. Um, <laughs> two, <Absolutely. laughs> two, you're 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 a father, you're a family man, and you're a creative person. Right. How do you feel? Oh, first of all, how do you feel the culture of the blurs um, hmm. is is represented as compared to what it was maybe five or ten years ago? like five or ten years ago man like when i was coming up there was no term blurred right you were just someone that acted white right so it was like you were a right. black kid or you were a latino kid that was into what was supposed to be a predominantly you know white interest you know a white subculture so back when i was coming up <laughs> uh it was borderline dangerous to like have to do things that went against the norm you know like Growing up in Harlem, I remember when I kind of took went off the unbeaten path there, and it was like I traded my Tims in for kickwares and vans, and I started skateboarding and stuff. Like this was a, a very dangerous thing. The brothers did not receive it well. But what I noticed was the more I sought out people like myself, the more blurs I met. And when you talk about that lens of the blur, it's yeah. like I had a homeboy named Hour man. I think this answers your question extremely well. Hour was an amazing tagger. You know what I'm saying? Like he he wasn't an artist, but he was an amazing tagger and he did etch work and he was an, a brilliant skateboarder. And he sat down one night while we were uh, burning and uh, he just explained to me the way he sees the world. He's like, most people just see, you know, a glass on the train, but I see an opportunity to let people know I was here. Right. Most people just see a rail, but I see something that can be skated and I can have a good time with it for free. And when it comes right. to like being a blurred, I feel as if though the way I look at the world is not to go as far as the brother Kanye did, right? But I have interests that supersede any stereotype you're going to place on me. You know what I'm saying? Like I have interests that have been given to me prim primarily by my mother. My mother right. got into rock music. You know what I'm saying? My earliest memories are of me and my mother sitting in our apartment in Harlem and her listening to Guns N' Roses. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and, like, and that's how I got into it. And she bought me my first comic. So the way I view the world is through that lens. Like, what else is out there? What else is popping? What aren't people checking for? You know, right. and being a blurred, if you're going to label yourself that, it's also about community. Because the first time you meet another black person like yourself in my generation, you think you didn't fucking been transported to the enterprise. <laughs> like, like you went to this shit too, and like <laughs> we're having conversations. But it, it it has impacted my view on the world because it's made me more um interested in people, right? Right. And things they nerd out on and what their fandoms are and what their interests are. You look like you look at a cat like John Michel Basquiat, famous artist yes. from uh from I keep New thinking York. about him. Why are you in my brain? <laughs> Like he he is a brother. I feel as if though, like that original Soho crew, they understood what it was like to be different, you know. And I think exactly. that's where it comes from. Obviously, blurred is a short way to say black nerd, but they understood what it was like to be different, and they built something out of being different. And now here we are in 2023, and just to see where it's gone, you know what I'm saying? Like just to see how you know young kids of colors, specifically black children, right, aren't, don't have the thumb of 
you're weird on their necks anymore. And now it's like it's it's acceptable. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm happy to see it. So that's how it's altered my view. Do you feel like do you feel like in this situation mm-hmm. where you're creating content and you're using your platform, do you feel like you're using it to elevate people who are different? And are you are you still searching for people who are pretty much in the same type of group as you? I would so to answer the first part, I feel like I'm elevating people with uh, different views and deferring views. And uh, I realize now after doing this for a couple of years that, you know, if I want to keep doing that and being true to it, I'm not always going to have people on my shows that I necessarily agree with or my audience agrees with. But the benefit of doing stuff like that is that it opens up a conversation, right? So, right. yeah, to answer that part of the question, I, I feel as if though I'm still doing that, I know that I'm doing it. The issue becomes, however, not creating an echo chamber or creating mm-hmm. a place of conflict, right? These are two things I'm completely conscious of. I don't want to just be around a bunch of people that agree with everything I say. Exactly. But I also don't just want to spend my days arguing, right? Right. <laughs> I, I like the happy medium. Uh, and if you've been to any show that I've been on, if a debate br- breaks out, I have no problem weighing in on that. But when it comes to interviewing people and highlighting people, I want to highlight their talents. I want to highlight their worldviews. And I want to give people an, an opportunity to answer the question uninterrupted. That is important to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I interview someone, I ask them a question, I like to sit back and let them go on their tangent. You know what I'm saying? Like really hear where they're coming from and then exposing people to new interesting personalities. That's my thing. Um, the second, the second portion as a content creator, right? I try to be purposeful about, mm-hmm. it. you know what I'm saying? Like I try to have intention around what I'm doing. And as, as a uh, strange as that might sound to people, because if you go look at my YouTube channel, I only have 412 I'm sorry, like 445 subscribers. You know what I'm saying? That's my a blessing. Twitch, my, yeah, my Twitch uh, is monetized, but that's only for affiliate. You know, I have some episodes up on podcasts. I have some shows that have thousands of views. I have some shows that have 12 views. But I stepped into each show more concerned with what I was putting out there. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and what I'm doing. So I try to, I try to be respectful in that sense of the craft, you know? Did you ever collab with someone and realize that um that it had potential to be greater than what it was but the person didn't see that same vision yes um yes i absolutely have but i'm not going to go too deep into that no no (laughs) i have seen talent in people (laughs) where they may not have seen talent in themselves you know what i'm saying and i know we live in a world of flim flim men right, right? you're saying look look at what your boy dj envy's going through right now he trusted mm-hmm. some fool and now he's getting dragged up and down uh these black internet streets all day today i have collab with people where i'm like man you are an amazing person you're interesting but there's a talent level at one point i had actually turned over my show request box live to a brother uh by the name of dj cincy star because of his talent level i was like this guy has skills and I, I don't regret that decision at all because I was like, man, it was a great opportunity to work with someone and to see if I can like relinquish that grip on it. There have been other people I've worked with where it was a once, you know, one time collab, but I walked away from it feeling enriched and they walked away from it feeling enriched. You know, like I said, when I did that episode with my um, that episode with my cousin, man, like I got to sit in the presence besides him being my family of someone who would 
been a huge part of helping us get where we are we're at now in regards to content creation you know what i'm saying like this is a brother that started a magazine company and was you know was being handed out at, at barbershops you know what i'm right. saying and then it turned into a huge thing so just to have that and that collab like i wanted to press them for more be like yo let's do something together but i didn't pay, <laughs> i didn't pay my dues so i just took that experience and used it to motivate myself you know what i'm saying that's really important that's yeah. really important a lot of people are creators like i've seen a lot of creators on spoon and um they stayed on spoon but paying your dues putting that work in staying right. ten, ten toes down going to other platforms right like i feel like that's an important thing um and people don't realize that because your voice is everything and it does matter some people agree some people disagree um you've been doing this for a very long time like it wasn't just podcasting and boom there i go no 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 what would be your advice to someone who wanted to start podcasting today and 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 thinks that hey it's gonna be easy i could just start podcasting and boom there it is so my first piece of advice is to abandon that thought right mm. it's easy but it also requires a level of commitment right anyone can get a voice recorder use their cell phone put their headset on and just start talking into it right but the question becomes, do you want to just be someone that's making stuff or do you want to make stuff of substance? And then you have to get used to the fact that or accept the reality that you may never get famous from this. This is a very saturated market. You know what I'm saying? If you go look at the amount of podcasts that are actually hosted on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you look at YouTube, look at some of your competition, you got to ask yourself the question, like, what is my intent in doing this? And am I willing to get it out the mud? There are some very controversial figures on YouTube, right? Uh, one of which we've talked about multiple mm. times. Uh, but, <laughs> let's look, <laughs> look at look at a guy like Kevin Samuels. You know what I'm saying? Mm. He had been doing this for ten years before yeah. he had his viral moment. You know what I'm saying? Like he definitely got it out the mud. There are other people, like uh, a woman by the name of Grace Randolph. She does movie reviews on YouTube, and she's an OG on that platform, and she's been doing it forever. Still not at a million subscribers, but she makes a, a workable wage. So my advice to someone that's starting out is don't assume that you're going to be those people within a week, right? right. If you do catch that viral moment based off of controversy, my next piece of advice to you would be, is that what you want to be doing every week? Ask yourself a question. Do you want to be mixed up in that type of energy every week? And if you do, more power to you. Lean into it and just remember, keep your shit tight. What you put out is what you're going to get back. And in that exactly. regard, everyone in that space always has their own exposed. But if you're just someone that's like, man, I just feel like I have something to say, then say it. Start small, man. Start recording your thoughts and putting them up, man. Uh, do a little storyboard, get into it and try to remind yourself I'm doing this because I want to create, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Now you mentioned you from Harlem. Yes. Um, so you from Harlem or you from Harlem? No, I'm, my family is Harlem. <laughs> I grew up on um so I grew up on 113th and uh, Adam Clayton Powell Boulevard right my family has been in Harlem from Sugar Hill down to where I'm at you know what I'm saying for for many a moon you know what I'm saying and like Harlem was not always my first love but as I grew older you know what I'm saying we moved to Chicago for a little bit basically throughout my high school years so right. And then when I came back to Harlem and as a, a young adult, like 18, 19, I realized that like, oh man, this 
is something that a lot of people would never understand. How many other places can say they had their own renaissance? The Cotton Club. My grandmother was a dancer at the Cotton Club. You know what I'm saying? Like, she knew those guys like Bumpy Johnson. My stepdad knew the guys that they made that movie paid in full about. So I'm from Harlem. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't Harlem. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mindset, and no, no, no shade to any of my peoples, right? I used to have the same conversation with my homies on the south side of Chicago, and I had the same conversation with homies when I was younger. I was like, yo, let's go do something else. That was my big thing. I'm like, let's go. Let's get off the block. You know what I'm saying? And then, so for some people, that's that's cool. They want to be on the block 24-7. I'm from Harlem, but I was like, there's a whole world outside of Harlem. There's a whole world outside of the south side of Chicago. And so I ain't Harlem, Harlem. But I bleed Harlem. You said I can walk through my neighborhood. I'm good. <laughs> I'm asking that because um I'm I'm in the process of starting my journey and you know we're we're moving. Um I, I shout out to Joe V E Ice Ice Baby. I told her, hey, I'm moving, I'm working on it, you know, working on my brand because we're trying to get out of where we are. There have been a lot of crazy things that have happened. Um, and when you live in a place that has gunshots and violence right, and right. And, and all those good things, but you're still a blurred. Right. Kind of look at you like, hey, man, I don't think you got yourself together enough to be out in these streets. Yeah. So what they're actually <laughs> trying to say is, I think you soft. But uh, let me let me say something to like to that effect, man, Um, to that comment. I was never a bite first kid. That was not my natural instinct. You know, when I grew up, I was a mama's boy. I was under my mama. You know what I'm saying? Well, my brothers and my dad were out there repping. My mother did what mothers are supposed to do. And she kept me from that life. Now I did seek it out on my own, but even then I was doing my own thing when it comes to being a blurred, like, and then having to get caught up in things like fools testing you. Right. I'm sad to say this, man, but at a certain point, I had to learn to start hitting back. My first right. instinct was I used to let kids run my pockets. I remember one day I was coming from the friggin' uh, newsstand, a number hole in my neighborhood. And my stepdad sent me to go play the numbers, get some, get a newspaper, and I stopped to play Mortal Kombat. And some kid robbed me and took my goddamn milk that I bought <laughs> while I was on my way home. And that was like my every day for a long time until one day, the, you know, the, I don't want to say the culture because that's not what it is. That process took a hold of me. And I was like, all right, enough's enough. You were saying the next person to step up is going to be the person to find out I ain't dealing with this anymore. And that happens to a lot of blurs. I know I've met a lot of brothers in places that I don't want to disclose that I've been to. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Uh, <laughs> I, met, I met one brother, man, uh, when I was locked up and it, I would have never thought this cat was in the comic books at all like this this dude ran the dorm you know what i'm saying like he ran the dorm and i meant i mean that like he was like the man in charge and i was just sitting on my bunk reading a free comic that i got from fucking the where they allowed us to go to the library this man came over and had a whole conversation with me about x-men you know what i'm what? saying no 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 true realest story i ever tell man like came over start talking to me about x-men that i never got pressed and i know why in retrospect from that moment because i was rolling by myself in there but i never got pressed i had to get him up one time but no bullying or anything like that and in regards to being a blurry i hate to see that spirit stamped out by the byproduct of like bullying in the community now someone's going to take offense to what i just said so i just want to make sure that y'all know though these are my thoughts not mrs marvel but as black people from my estimation the worst thing we do to these kids 
is we we beat that out of them. Right. We beat it out of them with things like you act white, you talk white, and then have the nerve to say later on, well, you need to deal with your unresolved trauma. Like, okay, brother, will you point that child to the center where they can deal with their unresolved trauma? But how about we deal with the people invoking the trauma, causing the trauma on these kids because they want to do something different? See, now now I'm about to let take my wig off. <laughs> I'm about to say, listen, um, I grew up, um, I was born in Newark, but I was raised right. in Brownsville, New Jersey, which is South Jersey, which is basically close to Philly. Right, right, right. And I grew up in an area where I grew up in many different areas. Right. One time I was living in Miami Dade, you know what I'm saying? When my pops yeah. passed away um, with the ice cream man, didn't sell ice cream, but he sold some cream. Right, right, right. I'm just saying. But then another time I was living in a nice little community and it was always, you know, like you might be too white, you might be too urban. Remember that song, Black Boy, White Boy Swag? Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, I don't, you know, I don't know how to relate to everything that everybody else does. And there was a, a point where I met my biological siblings where mm. I felt like I had to um, be somebody else because the first time I actually met some of them, I was trying to. I wasn't even trying to. I was just so much intrigued by the culture of urban culture right. um, that I wanted to just, I just was that person. But then as soon as I got older, I became a substitute teacher. I started doing more business oriented jobs. You know, I started to get my Jay-Z voice on, switch up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> one minute I'm talking another one way, another minute I'm talking another way. And so I was talking to my brother one day and he's from Newark. And I was like, hi, brother. How are you doing? What's good? He's like, who is this? Why are you talking like that? So you so you, you speaking proper now. You done changed up on right. us. Right, I see right. you got the little cardigans on. What happened to the jerseys? And I was like, no, nah, I'm still good. Son. Right. <laughs> I'm still right. good. <laughs> I'm right. still good. But I think I think there is a stereotype and a stigma on like who you're supposed to be when you're a blurred. Like you can't mm -hmm. be tough, you can't be hard, um, right. you can't be smart and educated. But I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people in history that we don't consider blurs that were. Tupac was a blur. Did you not watch the documentary about Tupac? The man went to a performing arts school. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> like yes. went to, went How many magnificence you know <laughs> went to performing arts schools? Well, I mean, and here's a here's a crazy thing about that, right? Just thinking about that situation, as you're telling me about that interaction with your brother, it always like completely baffles me our response, some of our responses as black people to something that's different, right? And you can take that wherever you want to go with it, whoever's listening. But who said, right? This is a crazy idea, and I I think I've said this multiple times, and I've definitely said it on the blog before. Who gave you the Littman's test? Not you. The people who would say something like that of what is the standard of black, right? And this is where I, I don't mind wading into the waters of debate. What is your definition of whitewashed, right? What is your definition of a coon, an Uncle Tom? Because often I see people use these terms for kids who just like things like skateboarding. Now, don't get me wrong. Code switching happens. What you were describing happens. It's just amazing that we only make it negative when you code switch when you're around your quote unquote white friends, but no one wants to talk about the code switching that happens where you're trying to accl be, you know, acclimate yourself into what exactly? I want to sound like my, my brother, my boys on the block. What are they right. doing? Why do I need their acceptance? And that's right. the thing that uh, baffles me completely. I did an episode of Conversation That Matters 
once that was completely controversial. So controversial, I only have it on the audio platform at this point. But <laughs> it started with someone coming into one of my lives on Spoon and saying, oh, shit, I just saw a picture of you. You're black? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you don't sound black. So I was like, all right, we're gonna, I'm going to address this, right? This is when I started to, like deciding to wade in these waters. I'm like, I did an episode, invited Mantis, uh, a streamer by the name of Gray Winthrop. Uh, she used to do um, true crime on Spoon and Davinci. If you know Davinci, you know, she's a uh, legendary, some might say infamous on Spoon, but a good sister nonetheless. And we delved into this episode and into this topic of what does it mean to talk so white? And in that conversation, we dealt with code switching and what is misrepresentation of the people? What is a coon? And I asked the question that was really for the audience. I'm like, all right, so if a coon is someone that benefits and gains from their culture by misrepresenting or attacking their culture, how does that definition not fit a block boy? Right. And that's where my <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. I'm at with it, man. The, the one thing being a blurred doesn't mean is that I'm ashamed of being black. I know my culture. I know my history. And that's why it's so dope that you and I were able to find and do these things. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Blurds don't turn their back on other black people. Exactly. We seek out other black nerds. We <laughs> we're still black people. I would just read a comic book and shit. But yeah. I find that interesting that people can't make that connection. So that kid over there with the, you know, maybe the colorful afro, he's whitewashed, he's a coon, but the brother pumping all that weight in the neighborhood is a real N-word and to be respected. But by your definition, that man right there, you're saying he's doing the same thing you're accusing this kid of doing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's like a whole complex thing. The truth is, even... We, we we strive to try to put everything in a box right. because we want it to be identical, ident yeah. identifiable. Think about, I was watching something on Netflix where if you put two circles here and then you put a circle here and a line there, you're going to automatically identify as a face on anything. Right. It doesn't matter. We want to, to see the likeness of ourselves and everything. Just like when we make cartoons of animals that talk like people and walk like people and look like people. But we know right. dang on well, you're yeah. never going to see an animal do that in person. Yeah. Except for a kangaroo, apparently. Yeah. Kangaroos get down with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to, and it's a human need. Blurds feel like that too. You want to find someone who's like you. I think the thing is, but when you're a blur, you tend to be more sensitive. So you understand that there is a line of yep. understanding. Everybody is everybody. You can't just change somebody just because of the mm -hmm. fact that it makes you feel more comfortable. And mm -hmm. we have so many blurs. It's ridiculous. Maya Angelou, Oprah Winfrey, right. uh, mm -hmm. Beyonce. If you're passionate and you go into what you're doing, you're a freaking blur. Right. That's just, it is what it is. I right. mean, Jay-Z, literally. Did a whole thing, a whole switch. He turned into Basquiat overnight. I don't know what 100%, 100%. happened. The man then turned into Basquiat. I don't know if if he is him or not. I'm I'm still trying to figure this out. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're cooking right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you have people like Tyler the Creator, who is right. so different than right. any other hip hop artist. You know right. what I'm saying? And people want to like think of. They didn't even want Tyler, the creator, to do any music. They used to shun him and his right. music and right. say he wasn't 
black enough. Right, right. He didn't make he didn't make hip hop for black people. Right. <laughs> exactly. But you gotta think about what about Aerosmith and Run DMC making a song together? They were the first example of uh rap rap rock or rap core, you know, the shit that people gave Limp Biscuit and Papa Roach, uh, you know, the Run DMC, the Beastie Boys. You know what I'm saying? They had done that shit first. And uh, you know, the, it's funny that you bring up Tyler the Creator, right? So if you could go back even a little bit further in hip hop, there was this time where there was a very Afrocentric time. There was a group, there were a few different groups out of New York and Jersey. Uh, you know, you had Queen Latifah, Jungle Brothers, De La Soul, Tribe Conquest, uh, Michelle A, and they called themselves uh, in a, you know, what was this, a Leaders of the New School where Busta Rhymes came from, and they called themselves the Native Tongues. Right. I had Mike G from the Jungle Brothers on, and I had to tell him thank you for opening the door for me because you cats walking around with your huge African men, ben, uh, medallions. He was like, you're wearing just crazy dress shirts with right. interesting overalls and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like you guys gave a different look to black kids, man, where it was like, yo, this is what we're on. And that stuff leaks in. And when you look at a cat like Tyler, the creative man, you say what you want about him, but the boy got skills. He was okay. on a track with the game called, uh, was it goons versus goblins or something like that and he murdered the game on his own song he's the feature and he killed it and that's why i got he's a beast he's a beast man and i think because he looks at things differently he experienced things differently that's gonna if you're an mc that's gonna broaden your range of lyrics you know what i'm saying you're you're outside of the beaten path so i agree with you 100 you know what i'm saying like now the jay-z becoming basket i think i think that's a little marketing campaign but i'll let the brothers slide <laughs> it, i feel like it's a marketing campaign but i also feel like some people are more sensitive than we know yeah yeah he did, i think he, we, he we try to stereotype work. stuff but I, I feel like there are some people who are more because you gotta think about jay-z's lyrics he's very intuitive right. yeah you know what i'm saying everything he says he, he he's intuitive and also i just got a weird question and i'm just thinking about this and this may be talked about this ain't got nothing to do with anything right i was listening to Biggie, okay, because okay. I was just on a podcast before this, okay, okay? and it says grinding. My sister's out here grinding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Listen, so remember when Biggie said, "Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade." Right. right, right. Do you not think that's a little bit of well, visionary uh, type nonsense? Because <laughs> that happened in the nineties. Well, so uh, so Biggie would have been alive. I think he is close to the same would have been the same age as me or maybe a few years older than me so he would have remembered the first attempt to bring down the trade uh the trade towers which was insane right and then it happens again but yeah that's foreshadowing man but again biggie was a product of his environment you know what i'm right. saying and he had a way of articulating that in his lyrics that i think was masterful you know what i'm saying like obviously yeah. for me personally if we're talking about New York MCs, it's, you know, Big L, then Biggie, you know what I'm saying, and then Jay-Z. And the reason I put him in that order is Big L passed away, and that really opened it up for Jay-Z and Biggie. And then Biggie passed, and Jay stepped right into that space. Right. I recognize the fact that Jay-Z is going through a transformation, right? You know, after right. the whole thing that happened with him cheating on Beyonce and then her making a whole diss album about him, man, started <laughs> yeah. doing some work. <laughs> he started doing some work. And then, you know, his mind starts to open. And I think sometimes as black people, we look at the extremes, right? So Kanye kind of set us back a little bit in regards to this. You're really mad at Kanye, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> some type of way. No, I don't feel some type of way. I'm a pragmatist, though, because I actually, I feel 
for Kanye. I was the yeah. guy that was like, hey, man, y'all need to stop hoisting this brother up like he's some political pundit or some, you know, saying he is a man going through some real pain. He lost his really? mother. You know what I'm saying? He's going through a lot. He's an extremely creative guy. So his mind is moving a million miles per hour. But people, you know, in regard, this is just my opinion, in regards to the conversation about black people and being a blurred or being, you know, different, if we're going to use that term, Kanye kind of hijacked the conversation and took it to, I'm a free thinker. And then his natural progression as a free thinker led him to Nick Fuentes. So now, as a black person, if you say you're a free thinker, People think you're using the code for I'm a conservative <laughs> as opposed to no, nah, no, nah, I just think about things a little differently. But I'm mad at that, brother. I'm mad at Kim for ruining his life. I'm joking. I'm joking. I, 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 I watched the documentary about um, it's called Yeezus. It was on Netflix. Yeah. I watch yeah, a lot of documentaries. I love hip hop documentaries. I'm sorry. That is my damn yes. no peanut butter. And yeah. so I was watching this and for a very long time, it was like years Kanye was trying to prove himself to Rockefeller. He was yeah. trying to prove himself to Def Jam. Mm -hmm. And you know, I feel like that type of like need to prove yourself for years and years can do some type of damage to you. Yeah, yeah. Don't you surmise that perfectly, man. Listen, think about when Kanye was a part of The Rock. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Think about the type of cats who was signed to The Rock. You got Beanie Siegel, Freeway, mm -hmm. Dame Dash. You know what I'm saying? That whole era of, of uh, hip hop right there. And then you got Kanye. Right. Beanie Siegel once told a story about how he had to go to a diner in lower Manhattan to help Kanye because Kanye was getting pressed by some Brooklyn cats. You know, mm -hmm. that's who Kanye was. He's not a thug. And I don't think he ever represented it. But I think the best era of Kanye was when he really started stepping into his ego. This is a, a double edged sword. That I'm stepping yeah. on. But when he started stepping into his ego in that first album, I was like, yo, that, man, he had a song on that first uh, first album as a uh, how does that verse go? If my manager insults me again, I will be assaulting him. After oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> after I F my manager up, then I'm going to shorten the register up. And he was talking about working at the Gap. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I, I feel that. I worked at Yellow Rat Bastard. I'm like, yeah, I hate my manager, too. In fact, <laughs> but like, and then, you know, College Dropout was such an insane album because his cadence was different. Now, yeah. where it turned, where it went to, you know, I that's on him, but I don't want the conversation to be hijacked. You know what I'm saying? I feel like there are there are brothers and sisters that are in on off the beaten path, and they're not all gonna go hang out with Nazi sympathizers. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just people that listen to some rock sometimes. Sorry, I went on a tangent there. Sorry. <laughs> it's 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 fine. I honestly <laughs> feel like you know Kanye is a genius, and sometimes with a genius you go mad. You just go insane um, when it comes to just trying to sum up the world in your eyesight. Right. And sometimes when you're trying to tell somebody, uh, have you ever tried to tell somebody something and you're hearing it clear as day in your head, but when right. somebody listens to it, they, they don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. I'm married, been married for uh, almost 10 years. That's <laughs> 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 I'm sure my wife has had that same experience with me, but yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, Hey, this is what it is. <laughs> right, right. But he is a genius on delivery. On He turned the ugliest shoes in the world. The ugly, so. some of them shoes were just so ugly. It looked like yeah. a sponge with a foot in it. And right. I was like, dang, I might want to rock that sponge. 
That's why I knew I was officially old. Like I am by nature old, you know. <laughs> but I remember looking at some Yeezys and I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm okay on the Jets and the shoes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Me the red boots, it. all that stuff. I'm good on that stuff, man. Uh, yo, you, know, know. you know what's crazy, though? Because uh, I've been looking forward to having this conversation, and I just want to give you a shout-out, because uh, if I could turn it for a second, the reason why it's so important to reinforce Black creatives, right? And so I'm going to wax pro-Black for a second. The reason why I'm so pro-supporting black creators who are making things of substance like you just literally said a moment ago you did a podcast before this right and then you've been banging out interviews and what you're bringing to the table is the opportunity one it's dope that you're supporting content creators from various different ranges smaller to bigger and two seeing your development as a content creator you came out of nowhere on my radar like like a like a tornado you know what i'm saying (laughs) most positive sense like i I remember the first time I went into enough set and I was like, oh, who's the sister? I'm, I thought they were just interviewing you. And you brought a, such a different element to the show. A great show already. And then yeah. you just completely complimented with your experience. And that's what I love to see. You know what I'm saying? I love to see black creatives out here not, excuse me, not shackled to the type of media we're supposed to bring. There's not going to be another academics. You could, you could save that. Stop trying right. to be that. There's not going to be another Jay-Z. There's not going to be another any of these people. But when a person steps in and they say, I'm going to do my thing the way I do my thing, that's what makes it dope. You know what I'm saying? And like, and shout out to you for doing that because you are a sister out here. Shout out to you. Shout out to Bex. You know what I'm saying? Another sister. Y'all are out here bringing great content to people. I think that's dope, man. It lends itself to this conversation of black influencers and what influence are they trying to bring to the table? So shout out to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, I, 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 I've been podcasting since 2019. I had my fake radio station when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I've been creating, whether it's drawing or writing or whatever, um, mm-hmm. forever long. Like I came out with my first book around the same time and I keep creating. At first it was just me doing it because I like doing it. Right. And this year, after being on Spoon, after being a part of Enough Said, after even even November of last year, it made me realize, like, I got to do something. There are always moments where I feel like I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. And I've had to talk to Tree, to Jovi, to other people. But then I was like, man, I'm trying to build an arc. Right. I'm trying to build an arc. And that <laughs> takes a lot of work. It does. It does. <laughs> And it's not for the faint of heart, man. You know what I'm saying? Like this, uh, doing this grind will really separate you and teach you things about yourself, man. Like you're like, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this process. That I interviewed a brother once um, by the name of El Guapo. His YouTube channel, which stands at like I don't know, some crazy like seventy thousand subs, and like he's got an active community. They donate. They 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 with this man. They rock with this man. Mm. And his channel originally started with him just wanting to leave a message behind for his three daughters at the time, like wanting to leave life advice behind. We won't get into, you know, his views, but that was the essence of it. You know what I'm saying? And then it turned into something else. He was building an arc. You know what I'm saying? He started a conversation and now he's got this great catalog for his grandchildren, his children, because even if they don't agree with all the things that come out of his mouth, they will always have their father at his best 
speaking clearly about issues that are very important to him. And that's what I think is great about this time we live in. Like, think about the way technology has impacted the way we shape and share stories. Back in the day, you had to have a parchment. You know what I'm saying? And you have to, you know, we hope the parchment made it a few thousand years so someone will remember who you are, you know, unless it was a really impactful story. But now with the advent of the internet and YouTube, Facebook, all this stuff, millions of stories are being told all the time. And families will always have that to hold on to. So your family's going to have this to hold on to. It's dope. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the internet. Um, I'm thankful for for just wanting to be creative. And I know, I know, like, I, I don't know if it is for you like it is for me. I feel like it's an outlet. Do you feel like it's an outlet, a chance to just shh? Absolutely. Have you been to Request Box Live? Man? Like, <laughs> when I do, like, these music streams, man, like, there have been nights where I'm just screaming into the mic. Or there have been nights where I just go into deep thought about why i like a song and what made me play in the background you know what i'm saying and like it is very much an outlet for me what it isn't for me though is not an opportunity to make myself into some grandiose figure and i learned that from g and i want to give him a real good shout out on this there is a man by the name of gerard forte that had a mm. show called the morning journal on spoon right and i will always say this and any opportunity i get to say it from observing him and Mantis and a few other people on Spoon, I learned what it meant to commit to your craft. He did, what was it? Something like, how many episodes did he end on? Was it 800? I cannot remember. Yeah. But like he did Morning Journal 6 a.m. Monday through Friday and then did another show at night and then did a, a members only stream on Sundays. And every day, whether we could sense it or not, because I'm sure, you know, he has life going on. I'm sure he didn't want to do it all the time. But he came, he showed up and brought a level of quality to his content. And I just, I think that's absolutely amazing. It's amazing. It's a, it's a model to follow. That's important. G Forte yeah. is very dope. Um, very <laughs> He's the real grandfather of this shit, man. <laughs> exactly. Like, I feel like when I first started really taking Spoon seriously, because I'm going to be honest with you, when I first got on there, I was like, eh. Cause I was, <laughs> I was, I was already doing podcasting on other right, platforms. Right. So when I went on, there, I was like, eh, I'll try it. And then right. I was like, Nah, I don't take this seriously. <laughs> like, <I don't. laughs> and then I saw G's platform. I was like, Oh, there's people really taking this seriously. This isn't just talking. You know what I'm saying? No. And then I saw like it was G. It was Tree's platform. Um, I seen enough said, and I was like. Oh, I could probably do something with it. And I remember just writing, just doing the talks because I was afraid to do the lives. I was like, nah, right. I'm not doing no lives. I'm not right. getting on there. And G, I asked the question, you know, like, what do you think is the best way to do a podcast or something like that? And G responded with a whole in-depth conversation and yeah. then made a talk about it. And I was like, yo, like, that's what you need. You need people who are going to not just make their own platform and build it, but they're going to help other people. They're right. going to extend an olive branch. Like, that is so important. Like, I feel like Tree did that for me and a lot of other people. I feel like yeah. G did that. Um, I feel like even just people responding back in the chats. Because right. people could think something but not say something. Right. That 100%. is important. 100%. Starting a conversation. You're starting a conversation. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is, <laughs> this is what's up. This is, this is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I feel it. 
Yeah, and shout out to Tree, man. She was another person that put a battery in my back, man. It's you never know the impact you're gonna have on people, right? And the impact that she had on me was she would come through to the show, man, whether it was six people, 20 people, or one people. But one night, the comment that stood out for me was she's like, I will always be here for this show, no matter what. And when you get that type of positive reinforcement, I used to call them my day ones. You know what I'm saying? And like I made sure that the space that I created was i'm like yo this is these are my people you know what I'm saying? i gave them a name i call them the adult swim crew and it wasn't to build <laughs> for myself it was because yo i rock with these people heavy you know what i'm saying and i it, it just it adds to this whole thing it adds to right. this what we're doing now you said something earlier that i think is really interesting which is being willing to move on to other platforms right mm. so that is a scary notion the one thing i had the benefit of I came to Spoon already doing this on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it didn't, it didn't scare me to go back to just doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it doesn't bother me that a video only gets 10 views. And it doesn't blow up my mind when a video gets thousands of views. It's just like I've learned to focus on the quality versus the quantity. There was a process to get there because I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, I want to be famous. I want people to know my greatness. But then I thought about it. I was like, that's not what this is man if you keep trying to feed your own ego it's going to lead to disaster so i'm good on it if it blows up that's great in, in retrospect if my sons come to my channel after i pass and they're just trying to reminisce about the type of man their dad was or who i was with all my imperfections they'll have that and that's worth more to me than a thousand exactly that. Exactly now don't get me wrong that. i, I want to get paid I won't get paid. I'm willing to, yeah, I'm willing to get there. <laughs> I feel like that's, I mean, that's really important. Like when I initially started pot, I mean, I'm not going to talk about initially because when I first thought I was just like, I was trying to do a little something, something, you know, and this was like in 2012, like two videos that I did, three, maybe tops. Then right. I stopped and I tried again once I realized, yo, got to do something with my boys i'm doing all these creative things i want to do something right, and right. i kept thinking in the back of my head just the same thing that you're saying that i want to make sure my kids and i can document our journey like i was watching gary i don't know if you know who gary b is gary vaynerchuk um he talks about you know documenting he's an entrepreneur mm -hmm. um he talks about documenting your journey how important your, your voice is how important it is to go on these platforms to build your business, to build your brand. You know what right. I'm saying? Like you never had a time like before where you can build a brand on free platforms and advertise yourself. Right. Period. Right. Yeah. Period. And so that's really important. Like, especially for these people who are, you know, which I'm just going to ask you, do you consider yourself a DJ? No. I, and I, here's the thing about that. So one of the things you're, you're talking about branding, right? So when I started doing the request box, ask anyone, it's public record. I would say, I am not a DJ. I'm your favorite underground radio host, right? I give mad respect to actual working DJs. And I wanted to make sure that I made that dis you know, that distinction, right? Because I don't want to be faking jacks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want people to think that I'm up here on the ones and twos. Do I have turntables? Yes. Do I know how to beat match? Yes, but that's not what my show is about because I can't multitask in that way. I would rather tell the truth and let the truth be the truth, which is, yo, I make playlists. I base these playlists off themes. I add conversation to it. 
and people have fun. You know what I'm saying? And like they have the ability to come in, they share songs with me, and we build community on that. A real DJ is someone like there was a cat on uh, Spoon by the name of DJ Eddie, and he's an old school DJ and extremely talented. There was oh, there's another uh, there's a DJ by the name his name was Aaron, but everyone called him a- Aaron. But it's his name is DJ Aaron, extremely talented. You know, DJ Sensi Star. I can't remember the other brother's name right now for the life of me but these were actual djs that were on the platform and um i wanted to make sure that in making the distinction i also supported them right right so we did a a night for the djs type of thing you know what i'm saying where i we came up with a flyer we put an event together um first dj went up at like eight o'clock and then it <coughs> It went three DJs in, and it was a great way to show people that, like, yo, there, there are real cats out here that need your support, and I'm, I'm always gonna be that way. Support your working DJ. If your homeboy is saying he's a DJ and he needs help carrying the crates, not that people carry vinyl anymore, go support your working DJs, man. <laughs> Do you consider yourself an MC then? Yes. Yes. Master, right. of, master of ceremony. Yes. That is one thing that I do well. I do it. Ext- I do it extremely well. I know that's a gift that God gave me. You know what I'm saying? I got the gift of gab. I recognize that about myself. I know how to like amp up a situation and amp up a party. You know, yes. So I would consider myself an MC in that regard, and trying to implement that into different assets, uh, different portions of streaming, isn't that difficult for me? You know what I'm saying? It was just right. I had to get comfortable with the fact of, you know, just 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 let it hang out. You were saying have fun and then then building a structure around it. So to answer the question, yes. Like if they if we were in the auditorium and you were like, yo, take the mic, go get them ready, like I'm gonna go get people ready. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, exactly. I, I can do that. I can do that. Do you see you yourself got? ever being in radio? Um yes. And uh, it's one of those fantasies where like, you know, like a daydream where it's like being in a place where DJ Envy or Charlemagne the God is or Ebro or something like that. Yes. that Because for me, even though people say radio is dead, it obviously isn't right. It's just that it's not as affluent as it used to be, but look at the breakfast club. It was the number one show for quite some time. Maybe not number one syndicated, but number one in the culture in regards to hip hop. Right. And that's where people went for that. Dreaming about being a part of something like that is absolutely a warm space for me (laughs) thinking about having a show where people come and like that type of security that comes with doing something like that and yeah i do i i dream about it all the time i've i've toyed around with the idea of doing the internet radio stuff i'm not really sure how the numbers work and how you get people to come but i guess it's just like anything else you put your first foot forward and then start the journey you know what i'm saying so we're going to talk about that that's going to be a conversation that matters we gonna talk about it. <laughs> we gonna get into it. Um, good night, baby. I'm trying to do both at the same time. Mommy <laughs> in <laughs> my ass. Um, but yeah, like it definitely. I feel like you would definitely be able to bring something to the table that I miss. Cause like one of my show, one of my radio stations growing up was Power ninety nine FM. That's where I first heard of Wendy Williams. Okay. Um, and I really, really loved her back then. I still love her, but back then I really, really loved her. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> y'all, y'all say a prayer for Wendy. <laughs> I'm not gonna say nothing. Say <laughs> Go ahead. Though. Um, but I definitely um I loved her so much. I think she is is is. I mean, she's the one real reason why I started my fake radio station, point two point two FM. Right, that was right, the right. whole reason why, because of that. And I love her. I love Angela Yee. And I talk about the Breakfast Club every conversation. Somehow I slot it in conversations that don't even make sense. Y'all right. talking about sandwiches? Yeah. You know I love the Breakfast Club. Like that's right. <laughs> that's what happens. I'm meet Yee, I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. Right. But I feel like for you. Like, this is why I was like, yo, because cause I remember asking Trina and Joe, like, who, who, who's Steve? Like, we keep talking about this man. Who is Steve? Who is the Hold Up TV? What is this? <laughs> Where are we? Do- what, what is this man? And I remember going to your live and I was like, oh, he a real DJ. Because that's 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 where my mind went. I'm sorry. My mind went like you was like a big celebrity DJ somewhere out there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, you know what's crazy about that? I remember when um, Tree and Jovi interviewed me, um, which was a huge honor. Like, they did Berlin's interview, and that was the second interview. And they were asking me questions. So I will always represent accurately because I don't want to misrepresent anything. Have I moved and shaked in spaces with people that a lot of people are like, oh, shit, you know, like, yes, yes, I have. Have I been in spaces where some of the celebrities we might have been talking about right now were in the same room? Yes. Does that mean that I'm on speaking terms with them? No. (laughs) Like, But I have been able to be in spaces where I've got to see some amazing things happen. You know what I'm saying? And because of that, one of the things, and I said this during the interview. And I said this to uh, privately to some friends. I maybe I could have made a phone call and been right. like, "Yo, help me out, man. Put me on. Put me in front of someone, right?" And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But for me, and I mean it sincerely, that would be the asterisk next to my name if I did that. You know what I'm saying? They would be like, "Oh, that's so and so's little brother," or "Oh, that's so and so's homeboy. He got put on." And there's nothing wrong with getting put on. I would much rather have it happen because of my hard work now that doesn't mean i won't take a helping hand but i've had enough people who have succeeded at this thing for years trying to push me in this direction you know what i'm saying and like i've always just like no nah, i'm good man i'm a background type of cat which is a complete <laughs> lie which is a complete i have a big mouth <laughs> which is a complete exactly lie. exactly but i would much rather i want i want to do it on my own and not to discredit anyone that's ever gotten a plug take that plug if you get it but I really, this is one thing where it's like this one thing in my life I want to do completely on my own and have it be entirely mine. So I carry myself in a way, I carried myself in a way on Spoon where that was true. You know what I'm saying? Like I never claimed to be a star on Spoon. Actually, my show was a protest towards the quote unquote stars on Spoon. Like I, mm-hmm. the whole thing was based and I'm like, what is popularity really? Like I'm just trying to build something and we'll see. And, and I got to experience some of that. One night they did this thing called the Spoon Olympics. I remember people listening to this. What me and Ms. Marvel were describing, this is an app where the biggest room had 60 people in it. <laughs> the egos that existed on this app just oh baffled me. Baffled me. They did this thing called the Spoon Olympics where people were donating to their favorite streamers. And I went to go support the streamers that I, I was uh, supposed to support, make sure they got my spoons and all that shit. And it was time for me to do my show. 
you know how you have that ranking at the end of streams and it's like number one, number two, and number three? On the night where people were dropping major dough for their favorite streamers, I looked up and I was number four in that situation. Now, that doesn't speak anything about me, but it's about the community of people that came and donated their, their money. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I carried myself the way that I did. It wasn't an ego thing. I've gotten into beef on Spoon, like on Spoon, on Spoon, but it was never about my ego. It was just like, don't disrespect my peoples. You know what I'm saying? Don't assume that you can disrespect me. I'm going to protect this thing as much as I can. And now that it's gone, you know, I will speak fondly of it the same way we speak fondly of exes that maybe weren't that great from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But no, no, not a famous DJ, not a famous DJ, just an ordinary dad. I feel like, I feel like nothing about you is ordinary. The fact (laughs) that you named yourself Steve, real name, no gimmicks, that's a whole thing in itself. Like you can't just name yourself something like that and be like, oh, I'm just ordinary. (laughs) Regular dude. This sounds simple. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't say that. Yo, well, yo, let me again. Let me represent correctly. I want to give a shout out to Detroit. I believe he's from Detroit. Uh, Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Obi Trice's real name is Obi Trice. You know what I'm saying? And I was in this situation where people were like calling me the hold up and all that stuff. And then Mantis outed my real name. I was like, I'm not gonna be ashamed of this shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm going by my real name. Real name, no gimmicks. Call me Steve. I'm not out here pretending to be anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't say my last name because I don't want people Googling me because then right. that, would, that would take away from what I'm trying to do. But yeah, no, I'm I swear I'm just an ordinary dude, man. Y'all, we're all people just doing this damn thing. But maybe when you start having fun with it, you feel like you know, feel a little different. You're the you're the celebrity. You were on the party. Look, look, I can spin that perfectly. The show was partnered before you came on. People who were already doing the damn thing saw how amazing you were and brought you into it. You know what I'm saying? And why is that? Because once you were a young lady who was influenced by Wendy Williams that pretended to have a radio show and then built something from it. You know what I'm saying? And I know the audience is probably like, all right, if we got to hear one more compliment, but that's what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> believe it, you lived it, and you did it. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing. That's all it is. I think that's all you can do in life. Um, you want something, you got to see it like see it with the clear eye view. I remember mm-hmm. playing that Meek Mill song about a billion times over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> But I, I realized that it takes a lot of work and dedication. And I think over the last few months, I started right. to realize that there were some things that happened on Spoon that made me realize, and I don't know about you, um, that I had to figure out where my focus was right. and what I wanted to do for my journey. Right. Um, and sometimes there were moments where I'm like, mm, this might not be for me. And I will, like, I will allow certain things to happen, but you got to remember, I'm still from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. I'm still gonna say, no matter how nice of a blurred I am, I still will get that. Yo, this is not for me, hun. This is dead. (laughs) This is dead. Like I'm not even gonna do it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You, you, I mean, sometimes you just you you gotta keep it a buck. I mean, for God's sake, you were on an episode with me where someone came in, they said something, and I was like, 
nigga, what? <laughs> like, 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 what did you say, my man? Don't let these fucking microphones fool you. Don't let the internet fool you. Me and you exactly. are not. We are not the same. I use my real name. You use a stage name. Like, we're not the same type of person. But I agree with you. I agree with you. I want to ask you a question, right? What's up? Let's ten, let's do this. Let's go into it. Ten years from now, ten years from yeah. this exact moment, where where is it you want to be with this whole thing? I want to have built a platform where I've used all of my creative talents to support myself and my family and mm. to bring other people up with me. Um, it's about having a message and bringing people with me. Um, I definitely want to build a platform where I'm able to go into my community and help people educate young women on how to do things the right way. Um, I want to be the Black Betty White. <laughs> I want to be deep. That's deep. <laughs> I get that. I, I get that. I get where you're going with that one. <laughs> Listen, I want to be the hip hop Oprah Winfrey Maya Angelou. No, you know, right. you know, Oprah Winfrey ain't saying the word nigga. I'm gonna say it a few times. <laughs> nah, <geez. laughs> I want to be the Jersey Tabitha Brown. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I have goals to do those things and I will do them. It may take more than 10 years, but it will happen. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm an artist in all the shapes of the word, whether it be drawing, painting, writing, or rapping. Mm. Um, I've been making beats and producing beats since I was in elementary school. Right. I do. I'm literally like, this is a Jersey slogan. Like um, I'm a Jack of all trades, but a master of none. Right. I go to be a master of some though. Like that right. ass. <laughs> I'm a master most if I can. <laughs> like let me, let me let me get let me get most, okay? Right, but, right, right. But yeah, like just just my goal is just to make sure my family got it. You know what I'm saying? And they can do whatever they want to do with it. And they know that they're loved. And the people that follow me, subscribe to me, they know that they're loved. And I'm also to able to influence children because I do want to make cuz I am an educator. I do want to make stuff that has to do with children whether it be right. like kids videos kids youtube my goal is just to be as creative as possible ride this shit out till the wheels fall out be right. marvel storm like latoya justice shari my name literally means latoya justice shari johnson i'm putting my whole government out google me <laughs> i don't care google me google me fricks right. <laughs> my name latoya means victorious Shari means song god. Uh, justice, you already know what justice means. If y'all yes. don't know what that means, go get you a dictionary or, or yeah, a yeah, sword. Go get that GED. Yes. And Johnson <laughs> means I am. Bitch, when you put that together, what does that yeah. mean? I am a victorious song god. So my thing is, when you go into shit with that mentality, you just, you know you're going to get things done. That ass. That, that, is, that is a buck. And like, I think this is appropriate because it sums it all up for me. You ever seen the movie Do the Right Thing? Yes. You remember Samuel yeah. Jackson's character in that in that movie, the radio host that pops in every once in a while. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. In, in in my mind, right in my mind, when if someone was like when people ask me what do you want to do, I would not be mad, even if it was just the public radio. Right. I'm making a living off of it. I'm doing it because I love it. 
I would be happy having that type of setup. When I was living in LA in North Hollywood, there was this same setup, little radio station. And I think they were playing like trance music and shit like that. And they were definitely high every time I went in there. It was in like a little head shop, but they had their own station. And like, I would see the guys in there on the mics talking and I would tune in and all that, man. And that's where I would be content with that, man. I would be content with being able to do this, provide for my family, deal with the business aspects of it and everything that comes with it. But to envision myself waking up and saying, yo, this is your boy, Steve, real name, no gimmicks. And we're going to get into the top 10 of the day. Like that would be, that would be an amazing thing, man. And, um, and to do it in the community. And when I say community, I obviously mean within, you know, the black community, but to do it in the community, we've said over and over again, I would love to continue to do that and bring on the next generation, even if they don't call themselves blurs of creative young minorities, right? Creative young black and brown people and be that guy. And I've seen so many channels on YouTube where they started down that path and they got right. mixed up in other stuff, right? And that happened to me with Spoon. And this is why I'm always going to be transparent. Some of my worst days have been on Spoon. You mm. know saying? drank too much during the stream. Someone says some shit where I hit him with a message on the side. Like I am that dude for real. I'm like, Hey, we can test your theory. Let's see where this goes. But to be able to do that, I think what it represents to me is a level of freedom, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? It's a freedom and someone's inevitably going to say, well, nah, man, you work for someone, but no, it's not work in my mind, man. If I'm going and I'm plugging in every day and it's what I just described, that's not work. That's a type of freedom to be creative and just live, man. I think that's what we all want to do, man. For all of us punching into the nine and fives and then coming home to make content, doing two interviews a day with kids, husbands and wives or whatever, and you still get on this mic and you're like, I'm going to give it my all. You are a content creator. Exactly. And that is my distinction. You are a social engineer, and that's all I want to do. I want to be a part of this conversation and this vibe. That's me. <laughs> that's me. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> are we live on YouTube or something like that? Are we oh, live? Yeah, we God damn it. Why you ain't sending me the link? <laughs> oh, shit. My brain, I got you. But I'm going to send you the video afterwards. I got your okay. email. I'm going to send okay. you the whole video. I got you as soon as out there because I just learned how to do that shit. I didn't know you could send a whole video. I was like, what? That's <laughs> no, a shout out to StreamYard, man. Yo, thank yeah. you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate this, man. I appreciate it too. Like, honestly, I was like, yo, Steve really gonna do this? Is Steve yeah. gonna do this? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the, on the honor is on my side of the table. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I'll tell you the same thing I told Bex, man. I was done with this the first time we thought spoon was ending and i was like i'm just going to go back to youtube and then i just started doing it infrequently but conversations with you doing pillow talk with bex has kept me like in the mix and it's rejuvenated so when i say thank you i mean that. i really do appreciate the invitation i appreciate it too i appreciate it but listen we're about to end this uh real quick fam um let them know where they can contact you um and if you want to put a link in the thing or whatever you can with the little comment or whatever, let them know where they can hit you up. Social media, uh, movie star status, radio stations, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you can find me all one name, man. The Hold Up TV 
over across IG, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. If you see it, say the Hold Up TV one, that's still me. But if you go to YouTube and you see some kids with guns, that's a different group. <laughs> just come, just come on over here. Hold Up TV, Steve. Real name, no gimmicks. Would love to have you come through. Yes, thank you so much. We appreciate you, Steve. Um, well. Until next time, this is MC Miss Marvel Storm 110, aka Latoya Justice Shari. If you know me and you just watched Art Carpe Dia, tell somebody, <laughs> like, share, comment below. Smooches, peace. I don't know why I'm looking over that way. That's weird, but who cares? <laughs>